number two of Sports Talk begins. Always a pleasure when we get to say hello to our good friend Vince Ferrara as he's with us for this hour. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. He joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. Vince, how are you? Good, gentlemen. How are we doing? Doing quite well. And uh, and after we got to see Saints Bears on Nickelodeon, are you ready for Saints Bucks Round Three on the History Channel, which was one of the great photos tweeted in quite some time. <laughs> You know, there, there's some of those apps that I think are silly, but that one just happened to hit me right where you can make yourself look even older than they are, at least relative to the rest of the football players and typical athletes. But, yeah, the the, the beard and the bald in uh, matching up Brady versus Breeze, the beard and the bald, the gray beard, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Tremendous uh, third meeting and just pretty much everything you you could ask for. There's been a lot of news around Tennessee football since you last joined us in this capacity. Uh, Why don't we start first with the addition to the staff? What do you think Kevin Steele brings to Knoxville? Well, certainly tons of experience, familiarity with a number of the members of the staff, familiarity with the University of Tennessee with his history, his time uh, at UT, his familiarity with the conference. He's really accomplished so much and even later in his career has still been regarded. Sort of had later in in the last you know, five, six years sort of had a, a, a resurgence of his career and things didn't go great, obviously, with the changes at, at Auburn uh, of late, but he still had a really nice run there. And, you know, look, when – when he still had, as Jimmy pointed out, he still has a couple of years on that deal. Tennessee's getting them, you know, you would think on the cheap because uh, Auburn still owes him money. And certainly that's happened to Tennessee the other way around. So I don't think anybody's apologizing for that. If you could get a coach on the cheap and you save some money instead of handing people money uh, for not coaching, which I guess can still happen. Uh, And that would be the other thing is I I don't know. I think some people would automatically say, hey, I thought they were hiring freezes. Uh, I guess that means they're keeping Pruitt. I don't know that I I buy that just yet. I mean, Jimmy pointed out there's still those, those interviews happening with the investigation, and that's still continuing. You hire a substantial attorney, law firm, that has worked with a lot of, of high-profile NCAA cases. And, you know, to to pay probably a pretty penny to do that, I think, is significant and likely trying to position yourself to see, you know, uh, if there are, one, uh, you cover your bases from an NCAA standpoint, and two, probably exploring what it would cost to part ways with Jeremy Pruitt, especially if there are. Uh, notable things that they find from that investigation and and trying to get your ducks in a row. So I I don't view this like I think the initial reaction might have been as, oh, I guess they're keeping Pruitt. We're going to, you know, we're going to suck again. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily look at it that way. Um, You know, and and even the the interesting thing is, is because of his experience, because he was just interim – at Auburn when they parted ways with Gus Malzahn to get him through the postseason, if they have to, if Tennessee has to part ways with with Jeremy Pruitt, 
then you have someone that has been in that position before that could at least, you know, you would think hold things together until they hire someone unless they already have someone ready in place. So there's just a lot of just really interesting dynamics to this. And, and then obviously, you know, is, is that whoever, if they do part ways with Jeremy Pruitt, is you know Kevin Steele's contract? Are they gonna? Or is that something that you have to inherit, Jimmy? I, I would think so. Uh, that you don't make this hire, and then a new coach, you hire a new coach, and new coach coach parts ways. I, with with a, a contract in place, they're gonna have to keep Kevin Steele if they were to make a change, right? Yes. Yeah, and I'd indicated that in my blog that that would be the situation that if they do part ways and. And then you have to make sure that whoever is hired, that Kevin Steele feels comfortable with him and that that new coach would feel comfortable with Kevin Steele. Again, if you make a change. Uh, I agree with you that it doesn't mean because you hired Steele that Jeremy Pruitt is safe and that he's going to be the coach. Um, And I do think, I have mentioned this, that I I believe he has talked to the compliance officers on Thursday and we may have uh, some kind of situation right after that as to whether he stays or doesn't stay. But I'll say this. I might change my tune on that, Vince, if Pruitt is allowed to hire a defensive line coach or an offensive right. line coach. If he if he's able to move forward with that, then I'm like, okay. Because I, I, I think this is an exceptional situation here. That's the way I view it. So. Yeah, and and Jimmy wasn't Kevin Steele one of those final candidates that Fulmer was looking at along yeah. uh, with Mel Tucker, uh, who went to Michigan State. That's correct. Fulmer interviewed him in New York. He interviewed Tucker. He interviewed Steele, and then I was told that Pruitt was flown up there by UT Booster to New York, where he interviewed Pruitt, and then uh, ended up hiring Pruitt. So that's the way I understand how it went down, and. Um, but but Pruitt and, and Steele uh, are friends. They have a relationship. They coach together at, at Alabama, and I think um, I think Pruitt was certainly on board with bringing Steele on board because I think Pruitt feels like Steele can help him. Yeah, and like so, it, there's just so many different uh, dynamics to this and possibilities of directions this this can go. And obviously, still the biggest thing that I think can send the this in in multiple different directions is what comes out of that investigation but this is just sort of a an extra little side piece to the story that gives it even more layers and more potential uh directions you can go like opening up various roadways to get to one place you've you've now more than rather than just having a one-way road in now you've got other outlets and and different routes to to get to your destination and it's uh it's typical ut you know uh interesting it doesn't always go in a straight line or, or logic logic like you think it just um just very interesting I was first alerted to this early Saturday afternoon, and that's when I'm like, okay, let's see what goes on here. Um, also, y- your thoughts on the addition of quarterback Hendon Hooker from Virginia Tech. You know, I think he's a, a pretty good player and maybe an inconsistent player, but one that 
is obviously played power five football and had, has had some good games. You know, probably if you're going to label him being from the 2017 class, Virginia Tech, they probably feel like he didn't achieve maybe what their expectations were based on his recruiting rankings. And and that happens. Um, I, you know, I kind of think he's better than Shrout or Maurer um, or maybe Bailey at this point. Now, that doesn't mean that Bailey won't be better than Hooker. I would, I would expect him to be, but it's still very early in Bailey's career. So you still have Bailey and you add Hooker. We'll see on Maurer. And then obviously you bring in Caden Salter if those are your four, I think you're probably in a little better overall quarterback room position than you might have been this year. And the most noteworthy thing about bringing in Hooker, besides the fact that you just needed the numbers, right, because you had two of your quarterbacks transfer. And so you just from a number standpoint, because I don't know, I'm not fully convinced that, that Maurer's staying unless he's come out and said that he is, which I have not seen. Uh, I, I think from a number standpoint, you had to get him. But the most interesting thing is his style. And he has a dual threat, running threat ability with his legs that we have not seen from Tennessee quarterbacks since Josh Dobbs. I'm not saying he's Josh Dobbs. I'm saying that he would give you the opportunity to involve him in some design quarterback runs and involve him in the run game. And his style is similar to a Caden Salter, who has the ability to uh, to be involved in the quarterback design runs. Even though I think he is a pocket quarterback, but with escapability, can throw out uh, on the run on the uh, out of the pocket, and and not labeling him as a running quarterback by any means. But that dual threat ability is today's college football, and Tennessee has been late to that party. And I think at least it shows a advancement or morphing into the philosophy of what what often wins in college football at the QB position. And now you've brought in two quarterbacks with a different style than what Tennessee's been recruiting for a while since a Joshua Dobbs. So uh, I think that was the most noteworthy of bringing in Hooker besides just the numbers and him having some, you know, P, uh, P5 playing experience and success. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900, star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. From the Budweiser Studios of the Sports Animal. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. We are 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson, our guest, Vince Ferrara to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900, star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Let's check in with Steve. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Steve. Hey, fellas. Hey. Hey. Uh, Kevin Steele, 
It seems to need to be pretty well respected as a coach. And I, I remember back, of course, y'all do too, when he recruited Chuck Webb. And what was that, around 88? And uh, did that. And I know he went to Nebraska because of the situation at UT that he was not comfortable with. And he said when he was in Nebraska, he said Tennessee is where I would love to coach, but I'm not coming back there while things are like they are now. And all that. But how long did he coach at Nebraska? And I know he was head coach at Baylor for a few years and didn't do very well at all, but I'm not worried about that. But uh, what would you say about his coaching career as an assistant coach? Would you would you say that he's somebody that's definitely respected? Yeah, definitely respected. To answer your question, he was at Nebraska for about five years, and they won a national championship in 1994 with Tommy Frazier at quarterback. Right. Uh, he was at Alabama two different stints. He was at LSU for one year. Uh, Oklahoma State, uh, also on the resume, Clemson for three years. I, I think he's a very highly respected coach. And right, right. Uh, I thought he did a, a, a very good job at Auburn. Uh, over the course of the five years, the the defensive stats this year weren't as good, but I, I think he did a really nice job at Auburn. Right, right. Well, okay. I I I I'd been told by somebody in Knoxville this morning that that was not true that he'd been hired, <laughs> and so I'm glad I called y'all. Uh, but uh, anyway, well, listen. Let me ask one more question. Uh, what about of all these? Transfers, we might if we can get them. Depending, of course, I know it depends on the situation, I suppose. But who are some of these portal transfers that y'all think we might have a good shot at? What do you think, Vince? Well, I know fans have have talked about and sort of dreamed about Eric Gilbert, the former five star tied in from right. LSU that left after a year, but I don't see that happening. I know the people have made the connection with Harrison Bailey and his relationship with Jeremy Pruitt. I played you know, high school with Bailey and then I guess in recruiting had a good relationship with Jeremy Pruitt, but uh, I don't see him walking into this unsettled type of situation. Um, I, you know, I, I, I just, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, there's uh, there's a couple other kids uh, um, that if it's a transfer portal, a defensive lineman from from Auburn, um, and a, a couple other guys. I, Is that I, Big Cat Bryant? Well, no, there was there was one prior to Big Cat Bryant. Big Cat Bryant's a good okay. player. I think he would immediately be uh, their best defensive lineman if he yes. if he was to come to Tennessee. So I, I don't I haven't tracked the background and connections to him, but. Uh, there, to me, there's just not a ton of obvious ones. There's ones that, you know, have been in Georgia, uh, you know, from Georgia. Uh, actually, a defensive lineman from Iowa State, I think, uh, that's from Georgia. But he's he's been inconsistent. Um, you know, his former JUCO. Um, so I, I I don't think there's one where you're like, yes, that's the that's the guy that makes total sense, even though fans really want Gilbert. Right. Well, I told people all along, I said, all this talk about Bailey and Gilbert, and I said, if they were that tight, Gilbert would have come to Tennessee with Bailey, 
and you hear all this stuff about somebody on the same team, like they're always friends and all that kind of stuff, and that's just a bunch of baloney. Uh, but uh, anyway, sometimes. But anyhow, well, okay, I can, I can think of maybe five, six more people in different positions. I've been told there may be candidates for up there, and may not get hardly any of them, but that's what, I, that's what the word is on several, of course. So we'll see what happens. And I still say yeah. all this transfer stuff is kind of crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, I may end Steve up loving much. it if we get get some good ones in that help us win games. I'll be all for it. But I don't know. We just don't – just kind of kind of weird. Yeah, but and anyway. Steve, as much as you, as much as you at, call and ask about recruits, especially high school and, and JUCO players, right. Right. this transfer portal recruiting – is not quite as big as that, but right. it's catching up. <laughs> so right. because I don't know that Tennessee is gonna gonna sign anyone uh, in in February, and maybe one or two, but right. I think more of the spots are gonna go towards potential transfers. So right. that's that's really where where the focus should be, unless you're looking ahead to future classes. Right, maybe five or six who might end up taking. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, then. <laughs> you guys hang in there, and uh, good to talk to you. And it's like I said, I about always learn something when I call. So what? that's We sure that's do appreciate almost. all of that. Thank you very much. Hey, Steve, you Thank take you. care. And, uh, and, of course, folks can join in on the conversation, 656-9900, star 990 is free. For AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. And one thing, I guess, that should be noted, and uh, we've talked about it a couple times with folks like Rob Lewis and Brent Hubbs, Vince, but the uh, the portal works both ways. So you've got a number of Tennessee guys that have put their name in the portal. What has been your reaction to news that we've seen a couple of balls pick their next spot for Ty Chandler? It's going to be North Carolina, as it became known today. And uh, what do you think Jarrett Garantan? will experience as he heads to Pullman, Washington, and the Washington State Cougars. I really like that fit, and I had heard Pac-12, and um, you know, Washington State has has a need there at quarterback. There's not going to be the pressure that he dealt with here. I think that could relax him and be something that he enjoys. Um, you know, he's got arm talent. And the, if he wants to put up numbers and produce to, you know, uh, for the next level, which he still has dreams and aspirations for, you're probably going to put up numbers there. And so if he, you know, so obviously if he wins that job, but uh, they had a quarterback or two transfer. So I think he's got, got a great opportunity to play uh, lower pressure situation and then throw the ball all, all over the yard. And I, I kind of thought he was a little bit better in two minute type of situations and, and lower pressure type of situations at, at Tennessee when people were doubting him. So um, I, I think it's good for him and he'll obviously be far away, even farther away from home <laughs> of New Jersey. But um, I, I like that fit and I love Todd Chandler in North Carolina. Goodness, they know how to utilize their backs there. They throw to the to their running backs. Um, he'll he'll get plenty of carries there. I think he'll be appreciated by Mac Brown. Uh, I don't think they threw 
the ball to Todd Chandler involved him in the run game enough. Um, I think with their with having a big time quarterback there and Sam Howell, I think it only opened up opportunities for Todd Chandler. Um, uh, I just think it's a it's a great fit there for him. He's not that far away from home. Um, it's not right down the road, but it's not that far away. Um, I, I I really like it for Ty Chandler, and I would not be surprised if we see him have a fantastic year. And not everyone, I know some fans have pointed this out. Not you know, not all of the, not many of the players that have transferred from Tennessee in recent years have gone on to great success at at other schools. There have been some that have had some success, but it's not like you know they're setting the world on uh, on fire or Heisman Trophy candidates, but there aren't a lot of those anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Ty Chandler might have as good a chance to be as, as much of an impact player as a transfer as anyone we've seen in a, in a number of years leaving Tennessee. That's Vince Ferrara. His appearance uh, brought to you by our friends at Waters Equipment. We'll get a break. We've got more with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Radio WNML to keep up with breaking sports news. Now, back to Sports Talk with John Wilkerson and Jimmy Hines on 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk rolls on. Hour number two of the program with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. To join the conversation, 656-9900, 656-9900, star 990 is free. For AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince, what are your thoughts on the Tennessee Vanderbilt game being uh, canceled and then about the possibility of them not playing Vanderbilt on Saturday. Well, certainly unfortunate. I'm, I'm, I hate to feel this way, but I'm not surprised. And I, I don't want to say I'm numb to it because you you don't want anyone to get the virus. It's it's still very dangerous, and you know there's contact tracing that's involved in it. it doesn't just necessarily mean that it's an outbreak on positive tests. Sometimes. It can just take one and a lot of contact tracing to limit your player availability to get to this point. But um, it's something that we've come to expect and we've already seen a ton of in the season. And so uh, Tennessee now is, is on a stretch of, of having consecutive opponents have the games canceled against consecutive opponents. And you know, we'll see what happens on Saturday and then, you know, there, there's not not really any flexibility on the SEC schedule for for basketball to be able to have makeup dates. Um, it, on the women's side, remember they always have an extra week after the SEC tournament before the NCAA tournament starts. And I, you know, that I guess if that's the the case, I haven't looked at the schedule, John. You may know. Uh, if that's the case this year where there is that weak gap on the women's side, that may allow them potentially to push the SEC tournament back if they need another week to be able to get in some games. I don't believe there's that window on the men's side. 
That's something that maybe the SEC should have considered on the front end, uh, allow them that flexibility rather than maybe trying to shoehorn a bunch of games in late in the year and then playing play more than two in a week. Now you're compromising your team's for the postseason because you're trying to squeeze in all these games. So it's not ideal. Um, so I, I don't know. And I I am skeptical that the NCAA tournament is will be adjusted. I think it's kind of like we've talked about this, kind of like with football, the college football playoff. I think they're going to do all they can, especially with having it all in Indianapolis and all the planning it takes for that. I think they're going to say – Here's when we're doing it. They may say publicly we'll be open to flexibility, but I think privately they're gonna. They don't want to delay it because they don't know if it's gonna get better in, in by delaying it. You know, a week or two or a month or whatever. And then they may just say, "Hey, we lose regular season games. We'll pick the best of what we got of who's played whatever games, even if it's jagged and it's not fair across the board." And so, um, you know, it's certainly not ideal. And you know, I hope that, that Tennessee doesn't end up losing games, even just from a fan and a media standpoint. This is a fun team to watch. This is a team that you want to see play as much as they can, especially because they already lost a bunch of games in, in pre-conference. And for Tennessee fans that haven't had a ton to cheer about, especially in football, you finally have a team that you enjoy watching. Now you take away those opportunities to see some a team that you enjoy. So even before you know it, the season will be will be over with with fewer opportunities. So that that's unfortunate for fans and for all of us that l- like to watch this team play. The Lady Vols gap is uh, between the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. It is not between right. the regular season to the SEC tournament. Right. So and my point would be, be it, yeah, they could potentially, if they wanted to, the SEC could push the tournament back a week. Uh, not ideal for the postseason, but at least that might give them a little window, right, to maybe get in some regular season games if they if they deem that, while the men typically don't have that. So what do you like about the 10th-ranked Vols right now, and, and what is a concern at this point? We'll definitely like the defense. We saw a couple of games, uh, especially the Alabama game, where they struggled with the dribble drive. I think you know, Alabama and Arkansas were teams that, that I think really tested Tennessee and, and spread them out to where – I remember talking to Epons in a pregame interview before Alabama, and he talked about how – Hey, we we can't. This is a game where we can't overhelp because we have to stay out on shooters and have high hands. Well, they started out in that game not overhelping, and they were beaten off the dribble. I think this team is good enough defensively to not get beaten off the dribble, and I think they've been much better at it since that game. Um, and so overall, I think I mean, just smothering defense against Texas A&M. I think they had. Five made field goals in the second half, something like that. Yeah, uh, just just terrific. And um, you know, you see the offensive potential that some of these Tennessee players have that maybe they don't need to have uh, each game because they have so many options. So definitely like the the development of Jaden Springer. Uh, man, his mid range game, his physicality, his body control in the air. 
with contact, his basketball IQ, just so many things to like about that kid. And I think you'll see Keon Johnson's offensive game uh, develop even more. I think he, he his first thought offensively is to defer, and and there's other options for them to defer. So there are a number of things to like, and obviously I think with this coaching staff, with, when as things go along and they're having to, whether it's dealing with COVID or make adjustments to what they see, I, I just think the staff is so terrific. I give them a lot of, uh, of, uh, of belief that they'll be able to uh, help this team maneuver even when they don't play their best. And you know, Rick Barnes kind of shrinking his bench a little bit. Uh, he says that it's just because of opponents, that it's not necessarily that's the way it's going to be. I don't think he's married to anything right now uh, and still wants that competition, which you talked about is good. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm, I think that's kind of interesting to, to where maybe we haven't seen some of those other guys on the bench get quite as many minutes so far recently. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We'll get a break. A final segment with Vince, a final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk is next on 99.1, The Sports Animal. Over 20 years of the top-rated afternoon sports show in Tennessee. This is Sports Talk with John Wilkerson and Jimmy Himes on 99.1, The Sports Animal. Final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams, our guest, Vince Ferrara. And Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. And, Vince, what can we look forward to this week, Friday night, on In the Cage? Well, it's the return of the UFC back to Fight Island. I guess it's 3.0 in Fight Island and uh, an exciting card. And it will be the first time that the UFC will be broadcast on ABC. They've been on network television when they had their contract with Fox, but this will be the debut on ABC network television. So it's exciting with the exposure of the UFC as it continues to grow. And after a few weeks off over the holidays, putting on a show. So uh, Tim Malloy, who's a matchmaker, former promotion president, so much insight on the sport connections. Uh, he and I will break down the upcoming card and uh, efforting on an interview or two for Friday, our new night, Friday nights, eight until nine, right after uh, the starting 11 with Will West. So we're, we're excited to follow up that show and that's what's uh, coming up Friday night. What do you think in terms of the uh, divisional round of the NFL playoffs, as we saw six teams eliminated over the weekend, uh, there are eight that remain, and we see the one seeds, Green Bay and Kansas City, enter the fray. Yeah, obviously that Browns entrance into the final eight in spectacular fashion and what they did to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I totally agree with what you guys are talking about with the two-point conversion tries. Goodness, that drives me nuts. Uh, <laughs> and and those are the, the two big uh, examples of it, the Colts. And Frank Wright came from that Eagles system, right? So he, uh, unfortunately, some Doug Peterson bled over into him <laughs> because Peterson, along with Sean Payton, I mean, they are the front runners in that absolute nonsense 
of going for two and chasing points with with the analytics. Um, and you know, I, I thought I thought math was a part of analytics. Apparently not. Um, so, it, but yes, the way the Browns got in there, just great story. And then you know, the Rams with a running game. I've said this earlier this year. If Cam Akers is their lead back like that. Uh, you know, in that kind of defense, then they can be a threat because I don't think they can rely on Jared Goff too much. And, um, and I, I certainly like the Packers and the, and the Chiefs, the the two one seeds there. And then the entry comes from the the other two games we talked about: Brady versus Breeze and Bucks versus Saints. And then that Ravens Bills game. I, I I know I think Vegas has the Ravens as a as a little bit of a favorite. Maybe the the you know percentage to win or whatever uh, favors the the Ravens and I uh, certainly what what Lamar Jackson did was good to get some people off of his back uh, like he couldn't do anything in the postseason but I kind of like the Bills in that game I, to me they with the way Josh Allen is playing and the unlike last weekend with Indy where it wasn't that bad I think weather might be more of an issue. In in Buffalo and Orchard Park this mm-hmm. coming Saturday than the previous week. So the defense and the way Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are playing, a really good O line. Um, I, I favor the Bills in that game, but that is probably those two games right there are I guess the two late games on each day. Those are the ones that I think are a little closer and bring even more intrigue. Let's work in a quick call from Jerry. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jerry. Hey, Thomas. Hey. Uh, yeah, you know, recently I made a call uh, talking about the difficulty that we've got in this state uh, recruiting players, not only the number of players, but just the way the, play, the state is laid out with Memphis, or most of your players you think would probably be or down there in the middle of a half a dozen SEC schools that are closer than UT is. But just real quickly, and I don't know, in today's News Sentinel, they had an article about where the best players uh, are. And it, it, in order, it gives it's based on per capita, but the best players that are in the NFL are Georgia, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida. If he went on total players, I'm sure Texas would be in there too. I, I just wonder how. I mean, we can keep coach, changing coaches every three years from now on. How do you think? Do you think a coach can actually come in here and compete with what we have to compete with when it comes to recruiting? Until somehow or other, as I said before, we can improve uh, high school football in this state. You think it's possible? Well, I think so. And, uh, Jimmy, both you and Vince have have spoken to the impact on just the upgrade, especially when you look at, at Vince, the number of of young men in East Tennessee that have Division I and Power V opportunities compared to what that number was previously. I don't think there's any question. You've seen an uptick across the state. Memphis and Middle Tennessee have always been strong in that regard, but – now really strong, including East Tennessee, since the arrival of the Titans some 20 years ago. It's just been a steady definitely, increase. Definitely. The population boom in Nashville has taken the mid-state to 
another level. I mean, Master Teague in for Ohio State last night played well. He's from Murfreesboro, so uh, Ohio State had four State of Tennessee players. Alabama had two. So I think a coach can win despite that that uh, talent being spread out and maybe not being as rich as a Georgia or Louisiana and, and others. But I think that with the proximity of Tennessee, you can get to Georgia, you can get to uh, to the bordering states, and you don't have to dominate all those states. There's enough players to get around. If you do well in your state with the players that fit and you're able to get your surrounding the surrounding states, Carolina, especially North Carolina, they used to get into South Carolina more frequently back in the day, and then you know spot uh, add players around the country more. Um, then, then I think you absolutely can get can recruit. I don't think it's it's impossible because there's less players here than a Georgia, um, because everybody gets into the state of Georgia. You just got to get your fair share, and you got to get the right ones that work out. I think that's a bigger issue is Tennessee hasn't been getting the players that are panning out more so than the highest-rated players. They have to get the right ones and get them developed and and uh, make sure that they fit and they work out more so than we don't have enough players in our backyard. I don't, I don't think that's an issue for Jeremy Pruitt or any future head coach. Vince, always appreciate it. Thank you so much. We say thank you to Waters Equipment, and uh, we'll look forward to, uh, of course, hopefully getting to hear your pregame conversation uh, for Saturday's Vanderbilt game, <laughs> that there is a game, and then also uh, in the cage Friday night at 8. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'll catch up with Santiago Viscovi for that pregame. And, um, so, yeah, looking forward to Friday night, 8 to 9, your own sports animal in the cage, MMA radio. Great to be with you guys. Appreciate you. That's Vince Ferrara.